Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Bite Size Nutrition Podcast. I'm Jillian, and today we are going to talk about three of the many, many mistakes I made in my first year or two of coaching. I'm also going to talk about what I learned sort of as a result of those mistakes and how I resolved them because I am now seven years into coaching and I still am learning every single day. So no life update today. We are just going to hop right into this episode. So let's get started. In 2020 and 2021, we saw a really big boom in the online coaching industry, which totally makes sense because 2020 was, of course, the schman schmemic. Everybody was at home and a lot of people that I think had been thinking about like, ooh, I should do nutrition coaching or they were in person and wanted to move online, all of a sudden that happened. So out of nowhere, we have all of these brand new health and fitness coaches, many of whom, yes, were working originally in person, but many of whom were brand new. And it's really interesting because we've seen sort of a huge expansion in two different sides of nutrition coaching. The more sort of intuitive eating anti-diet side and then the macro coaching sort of number focused, like quote unquote, what gets measured gets managed side. And personally, when I started out coaching, I was all about the numbers. I was tracking macros. I was very into like tracking my progress in the gym and tracking my steps and tracking my sleep and everything. And so I thought that macros were a really incredible way to also work with coaching clients. And it's really normal that that was the case because as coaches, like what we know is obviously going to be easiest for us to then share with other people. I found a problem and that was not everyone should be tracking macros. And also it doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily helpful to become that tied to the numbers. And so kind of where I sit now personally is sort of in between. I don't really use macros with any of my clients at the moment. And in fact, many clients come to me because they want to stop tracking macros. However, I don't consider myself an intuitive eating coach, partly because I haven't done the intuitive eating curriculum required to be an intuitive eating counselor, but also because I think having some structure around nutrition can be really, really helpful. But learning how to do that in a way that promotes self-trust instead of outsourcing it to something external is so helpful. And I think now what we're finding is with a lot of coaches, it's really challenging to say, hey, like I have this client that wants to reach this goal. How do I do it without fixating on the numbers? So before we get into that, I want to tell you about my very first coaching client. He really wanted to learn how to eat to build muscle. And I ended up giving him the most complicated plan that took me hours to make. It was like a macro breakdown, but then I also wanted to give him meal suggestions. And it it was just, I overcomplicated everything. And I was really lucky with this specific client because he was very communicative. He gave me feedback on what worked for him and what didn't. And he happened to be someone that was fairly consistent by nature and was able to just sort of pick something up and do it. But then when I got my second client, I was like, ooh, one is not like the other. <laughs> my second client was not able to follow this plan in the same way. And I was like, I don't get it. Like, I feel like this is so simple and so straightforward. But here's the thing is that I was seeing it through the lens of my beliefs and what I thought I should be doing. And here's the thing is that no matter how niched down you are and how specific your client base is, 
you will find some similarities with clients and you will also find some clients that are totally different. And I think what happens is when we try to fit clients into like this cookie cutter of this is what you should be doing, we forget how individual nutrition is. So my second client was also an absolutely lovely human being. But I only had this very narrow set of coaching tools to offer her. She didn't want to track macros, but I convinced her to do it because I had convinced her and it wasn't something that she was generally on board with. She felt like it was really challenging. She felt like it was tedious. She didn't want to do it. I didn't have the skills to help her yet. She was also a client that needed to take things a bit more slowly. Since I was, again, a brand new coach, I kept going along at the speed that I thought was correct. And then when she said that she struggled with certain things, I basically just heard what she said and gave her recommendations instead of listening, maybe doing a little bit of reading between the lines, a little bit of reflecting, a little bit of summarizing, which are all skills that I use now with motivational interviewing. Instead of collaborating with her on finding a solution and finding potential skills for her to work on, I gave her recommendations, which I think we know, recommendations, some clients, they work great. Other clients, they do not. And so fast forward seven years later, and how I coach is vastly different. As I mentioned, I rarely use macros with any clients. And really the focus with clients is around building skills instead of following plans. And really, if I were to sum it up, my work with clients is about helping them feel like they have ownership and autonomy over what they are doing. And that helps them build self-trust, which self-trust is so key for helping them do things for the long term. And so now I also coach other coaches. And this is because the vast majority of the health and nutrition coaching courses out there give some really great tools on what to do, but they don't give a lot of support around how to coach. And so I wanted to talk about some mistakes that I made when I first started out, some things that I've learned from them, and then also go into, I think, probably what will be some extremely helpful tips for any coaches listening. And if you're a client and you're noticing, hey, I would like to work with a coach like that, I'm happy to help you find one or I'm happy to point you in the right direction. So let's go. The first mistake I made was thinking that I was there to solve my clients' problems. The fact is, my clients, now, then, anytime, clients should be in charge of their own process, not me. Autonomy is so important for motivation, for learning new skills, And we're so much more likely to see someone committed to a process in which they feel like they have ownership over. It's challenging because so many of us become coaches because we really, really want to help people. But what I got wrong at first, and I'd love to hear, maybe you got this wrong too, is that a coach is not a problem solver. A coach can help bring out the problem solver in their clients. And I like to think of it like this. You can give a man a fish and feed him for a day. You can teach a man to fish and then feed him for life. So coaching is about helping that man being a really, be a really fucking good fisherman, right? Or woman, whoever it is. And I think one of the most important aspects to coaching is that coaching should be collaborative. Otherwise, it's just like you being the director of a show, right? And so this is, I mentioned motivational interviewing a few minutes ago, but this is where the skills in motivational interviewing, which is a huge part of the coaching I do with my mentorship clients is learning how to reflect back what someone is saying and help them focus on what they actually want to do. And so part of this is as a coach, we want to listen to how the client is wanting to change. We also have to want to listen to how the client is not wanting to change. 
And if you do nothing else, go buy the book, Motivational Interviewing and Nutrition and Fitness. It is one of my must reads. I recommend this to everyone. As I mentioned, some of the skills in motivational interviewing are starting to learn to listen to when a client is talking about what they want to change. And that is where we as coaches can harness that and help clients start doing the things they already want to do instead of trying to get them to to do the things that we think they should do to fix their problem. And so an example of a client doing this is I was recently talking to a client who was working on their relationship with food and exercise and they were talking about, you know, I I think I want to try exercising for a day without my smartwatch. Amazing. I get to listen to that. That's something they want to do. And now I get to help them formulate a plan for what that's going to look like. I can help support them in understanding the things that might be helpful for them to look out for. And this client actually asked me, you know, hey, if I'm not going to use my smartwatch, what do you think I should look out for to know if I'm getting a good workout? And we got to work on that together. So she went into the gym and she felt not only confident and like she had made this decision, but also she felt really excited to then come check back in with me later and share that with me. The next mistake that I made when I first got started is believing that clients were inconsistent because they didn't have willpower. The truth is clients aren't inconsistent because they're incapable, lazy, or they don't have willpower. They struggle because they lack self-compassion. And clients will even refer to themselves as lazy or unmotivated. And I know some coaches will also refer to their clients as lazy and unmotivated. Um, If you know any of those coaches, you should send them this podcast. But I would encourage you to consider this. Clients are very, very hard on themselves. You know this. Hopefully you've been talking to your client and you've picked up on they're really critical of themselves. And they are afraid of failure. They're afraid of doing things wrong. They're afraid of putting in an effort and not seeing change. And why are they afraid of that? Because they've learned to be extremely self-critical and judge themselves very harshly. While sometimes the right fit for a client in this situation is therapy, and I actually offer therapy services alongside my coaching services because this is so important, but there is a lot we can do as coaches as far as helping clients build self-compassion. So one, we can learn what it is and model it ourselves. So we can model it in our Instagram stories. We can model it in how we speak about ourselves. We can educate them on the principles of self-compassion and also correct any misbeliefs. So, so many people believe that self-compassion is just like letting bad behavior slide and it is absolutely not. And so we can educate on that. And then we can also provide basic exercises that can can help them identify where they're not being self-compassionate and start to develop that compassionate voice and practice compassionate self-reflection. And when I first started coaching, I didn't really get like this connection, I sort of thought, well, okay, they just need a better plan, right? But they would tell me like, oh, I'll do this thing. And then they wouldn't do it. And I was like, okay, they need a better plan. But it was because they were so hard on themselves for not getting things perfectly. They were so self-critical that they would struggle to ask for help in those situations. And this is also, you know, if you've ever had clients ghost or maybe they don't respond to a check-in, you might know like, Maybe they've had a really hard week and they're probably beating themselves up over it. This is so important as a coach to be able to identify when a client is lacking self-compassion and also work on helping your, your clients build up skills rather than just giving them directions to follow. And honestly, education on self-compassion and incorporating it, incorporating it into coaching is going to get you better client results. It's going to help your clients continue to feel more motivated. It's going to help them be more persistent, more resilient, 
It's incredible. And the third thing, and last thing, is that I made the mistake of not putting my ego to the side when I coached my clients. And honestly, the best thing that we can do as coaches is be able to like notice our ego and put it away. For me, when I started, and this I've heard this with so many newer coaches, is like, we want our clients to think, oh, this person knows their shit, right? Like we want them to see us as an authority. We want them to see us as the person that can answer all of their questions. And so what separates me from Google and makes me someone that is actually a coach is my capacity for listening, empathy, reflection, asking the right questions. All of these things are so important. Otherwise, like your clients might as well just go to ChatGPT. And what you want your clients to do is not as important as what they want to do. And I want to acknowledge that this may mean that for some of your clients, if you're selling like you're going to achieve XYZ in 12 weeks, like 12 weeks might not be the right time frame for some clients, right? Because what they want to do is more important than what you want to do. Here's an example. One of the coaches that I mentor was struggling with a client where they kept going back and forth. This coach was like, hey, I really feel like this client needs to plan better. And the client would be like, yes, I will plan. Okay, I'm going to do it. And then they wouldn't do it. And so I asked this coach, I was like, hey, does the client actually think that her lack of planning is a problem? Does this client actually want to plan? And the coach was like, oh my gosh, I don't actually know. And this is because she as a coach was like, If this client plans, she is going to get closer to her goals. And you may actually be correct, but it doesn't matter because what your clients actually want to, what they're ready to do, what they're willing to do, what they're able to do is more important. The reality is it's not your job to tell your clients what to do. You can show them how to do the things that they want to do. It's easy to think that we know the best for our clients But actually, they know the best for themselves. They are the ones that know themselves best. And it's my job as a coach to help bring out that side of them, help them build skills, help them build self-awareness, and offer education where needed. But sometimes for clients to get the most out of coaching, we actually need to give them the space to answer their own questions, to think deeper, and come up with their own suggestions. So with that, these are the three things, or just three of the many, many things that as a coach – I made mistakes on and learned in the process. I am so excited because I, in January, will be officially launching the Confident Coaching Mentorship. And so for the last six months, I've been coaching other coaches on their communication and coaching skills and supporting them in becoming coaches that offer so much more than just macros. I'm developing this mentorship to exist to support macro-based coaches in expanding those skills around supporting clients with emotional eating challenges, all or nothing mindset, and helping you help clients with eating skills outside of just tracking their macros. Here's what one of the coaches that I coach had to say. She said, since working more closely with you, I've started asking my clients more and better questions and it feels so much easier for me to coach. I'm no longer trying to solve everyone's problems and my clients feel like they're coming to their own conclusions so much more often. So essentially, In the work that we've done together, she's learned how to help clients essentially develop their own autonomy and it's deepened her relationship with her her clients. It's helped them get better results and it's also relieved a lot of the pressure she feels on quote unquote like getting her clients results. And so if you're a coach who wishes that you had more tools in your toolbox, you want to feel confident supporting clients in common challenges like all or nothing thinking around food and exercise, you want to help them with emotional or stress eating, or you want to help them stop being so fixated on numbers, 
even it within the first month of this mentorship, you're already going to see a huge difference in how you're able to support clients and reduce the pressure you feel to have all the right answers. I want you to keep listening because I'm actually going to include a really short snippet from one of our coaching conversations within my current mentorship group. If you're a coach, take notes. This is around, you know, how do I help a client that I think needs tough love? This is a client that keep telling me they're going to do this thing, but every week I check in on them and they didn't do it. So here's a little snippet on how I kind of coached this coach around that. And when it comes to the confident coaching mentorship, I am opening enrollment to coaches on January 16th. It launches January 23rd and it is going to be a six month minimum commitment. You're going to have access to on-demand sort of self-paced coaching tools and education. I'm also going to be including some PDFs and tools that you can share directly with your coaching clients to help them start to build some of the skills that we talked about. And you're also going to be able to have access to get personal, excuse me, personal coaching support and feedback directly from me. So I'm so excited about this. You should be excited about this. So with that, go ahead and listen to this excerpt from our one of our mentoring calls. And if you would like to know more about the Confident Coaching Mentorship, go ahead in the show notes, you'll find the link to my Instagram and just DM me mentorship and we will get the conversation started, my friend. All right, with that, go ahead and listen to this clip from one of our calls. I don't, there probably isn't more that you could be doing. Yeah. Um, it's probably partly patience and then partly looking at like, okay, if this is a client that needs tough love, like how do we address that? Yeah. And, yeah. and sometimes what that is, is partly like giving the client a little bit of space and like letting them process. Yeah. Because sometimes when a client is really struggling, there will be like a kind of intense period of like going back and forth and trying to figure it out. Right. And that can feel really overwhelming. And sometimes this is like, we've talked about this before. It's like sometimes giving your client space to actually like think about and process can be helpful. Similarly to like when you get in a fight with your partner, sometimes you need to like, just like, I just need to go for a walk and separate myself so that I can actually think clearly. Right. And then this is where as a coach, what we can do, and this is like coming from a motivational interviewing approach is actually just be like, Hey, these are the things that I've noticed right? Is it okay? Is it okay if I kind of, if I give you some feedback here or, Hey, is it okay if I lay out some things that have, that have come to my attention? And this is where you can say, we, you know, what, at the beginning of this, we talked about how you really wanted to focus on tracking because you have weight loss goals. And over the course of the last couple of months, you know, I've noticed that it, there's about a week out of the month that you really feel resistant to tracking, or you choose not to track for some reason as your coach. I really want to help you reach the goal that we agreed on as your goal. If that goal's changed, I'd love to, I'd love to chat about it. But my understanding is you have a fat loss goal. And I want to be really clear that it's likely that taking a week off tracking every month is going to make that goal a little bit more challenging. So we have a couple of options here. We can just accept the fact that tracking is not going to happen for at least seven days out of the month and build skills that are going to help you with that. We can find a way for it to feel easier for you or more doable for you to track more consistently so that you can reach your goal, or we can adjust the goal for the level of consistency that you're seeing with tracking, right? And so this is where you're stating what you've seen, you're holding the client accountable to what you understand is their goal. And then you're giving them options so that they have autonomy over what their next steps are. 